The following program contains strong sexual content. Viewer discretion is advised. Today on an all-new Dr. Phil, she was Ariel Castro's first victim. I was the most hated one. But she wasn't the last. I had to help him drill holes in a wall to put the chains through to hook us together. He was forcing you to prepare a torture chamber for a new victim. In the basement, all I could hear is a girl screaming. Get out from me. A Dr. Phil exclusive. And he tells me, I hate you because I can abuse you and nobody will care. The stories no one has heard. He had you digging back here. Was this a grave? From Ariel Castro's House of Horrors. Gina picks me up and took her arms. I begged her to let me die. Now, from Cleveland, Ohio, here's Dr. Phil. Today, part two of our exclusive interview with Cleveland kidnap victim, Michelle Knight. On this very spot once stood the House of Horrors where Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina De Jesus were held captive for more than a decade of terror. Facing daily torture at the hands of a madman who threatened to kill them if they tried to escape. Michelle's life was especially hellish. She was Castro's first victim, and according to her, the most hated person in the house. Yesterday, Michelle revealed what happened in her first days and months of captivity. She spent most of her time stark naked and freezing, chained up in a dark room. Michelle Knight was the forgotten one. She was told by Ariel Castro countless times that no one cared about her and no one was looking for her. Many thought she was just a runaway, but in reality, Michelle was chained in a dark dungeon just steps away from the outside world. Now, after 11 years in captivity, Michelle is finally free, and she is the first of the three victims to bravely break her silence. Many of the horrifying experiences all three women shared while in captivity together are public record. But Michelle, nonetheless, is telling only her story and speaks only about the women's shared experiences from her point of view. During the time that Amanda was there, did that distract him from you? Did he focus on you less? Did he abuse you more? I think it was a little bit more because um, she wouldn't comply with him. He'll come in my room and he'll be like, well, she won't do it, so you have to do it. And if I didn't do it, he would force it on me and you're on a, about a three-foot chain, so it's hard to get away. Yeah. Why do you think he would accept no from her and, and come force you to do it? I think it's because he liked her more, because he has, a, I think, an obsession with blondes. Uh-huh. He will always say that, I don't want to make her cry, I don't want to make her upset, or I don't want to hear her, her whiny mouth. He would try to make her happy instead of sad. So during the winter, you had a little bit more provision. Doesn't sound like a lot, but a little bit more. You had at least a couple of articles of clothing. But you were still chained up in this room. 
Yes. And you could reach the TV now. Did you watch the TV to see what was happening? Yeah. One time I was listening to um, Amanda's mother. She usually had somebody to take her to work or a friend would, you know, meet her outside or something. And I felt so bad I cried all that night because I wanted to help her. But there's no way I could help myself. Did you ever see or hear about anyone on the news looking for you? No. He'll see her, Amanda's mother on TV, and the first thing he'll say to me is, where's your family? Why don't you have any? They must not really love you. And it would hurt. Because I knew my family didn't care. And I knew they wasn't there for me because they never was. And to see Amanda have her mother, I just wanted her to be my mother. I wanted her to say those things to me. It was just extremely painful to have somebody come in your room day after day telling you your family don't care about you. You never had a family that loved you. And that's the reason why I hate you. Because I can abuse you and nobody will care. No one. You seem to have a lot of people around you that care now. Does that feel different? Yeah, because I never had that. About a year after Amanda Berry came, again in the spring, on April 2nd of 2004, you've now been in captivity and chained up for almost two years. Gina DeJesus is taken. When did you first hear about that? The same day. The day she was taken, he brought her there? He had um, told me he was bringing somebody in the house, and he told me to be very quiet. All I hear is fighting in the basement. I could hear things crash. And I could hear somebody screaming, get off of me. Get off of me, get off of me. And that's all I could hear. I can hear is a girl screaming for help and nobody comes. Nobody helps her. You felt for her because you had been in that basement? Yeah. You had had him on top of you. You had been chained to that pole. And you had wished someone had come for you. At first, uh, I didn't know that I knew her because she was so young. I knew her sister. And when I seen her on TV, and the dude would come in my room, he'll tell me I didn't take her. And I look up at him, I'm like, you're a damn liar. I know you took that girl. Gina de Jesus has been missing now for four days. God bless you. Volunteers stop traffic to pass out flyers with her picture. Police are widening their search. If anybody has her out there, please give her back. We love her so much. 
At the time, he was telling me that I needed to help him prepare another room. And I didn't want to prepare that room. What did prepare mean? I had to help him drill holes in a wall to put the chains through to hook us together. He was forcing you to prepare a new torture chamber for a new victim. Yes. A couple weeks later, he will say, my daughter is coming over and I want you to meet her. I knew that wasn't his daughter. And when I met her at the time when he was in the kitchen and we were in the bathroom. He allowed the two of you to be together in the bathroom? Yeah, because she was doing my hair. She did it in twisties. Uh -huh. They were beautiful. And what did you say to her when she was doing your hair? I told her I knew who she was. I whispered it into her ear. I was like, you're Gina De Jesus. And she was looked at me and she was like, you know who I am? And what advice did you give her? Coming up. We were chained by our legs together. He started to abuse you in front of Gina. Did he rape you in front of her? We now return to day two of our exclusive interview with Michelle Knight, Ariel Castro's first victim. On this Good Friday, 200 people pray in the street for a miracle that missing teen Gina De Jesus will come home. Her family is trying not to lose hope. I can feel her near me. I know she's out there somewhere and close. What advice did you give Gina? I told her not to tell him that I know who you are, that there will be consequences to you telling him. And then I told her, when I finally get a chance to tell you and talk to you without him around, I'll let you know more. How long did you have alone? Maybe like five minutes. So then she had a room, you had a room, and Amanda had a room. Yes. Were the three of you ever together? Not the three of us. What was his demeanor? How did he treat Gina when you saw them together for the first time? He treated her halfway decent. He let her have whatever she wanted because she was the new girl. How did her being there affect his relationship with you? At the time, it was okay. It wasn't like extremely bad because he didn't want to scare her, so he wanted to make it look better than what it was. Right. So he will hide the abuse from her and he'll make sure that he didn't do any abusive things in front of her at first. And how long did that last? That only lasted for a while. Then he started hitting me in my head in front of her. And then she asked me, well, why does he do that to you? I was like, I don't know why. He, I guess he just don't like me. Why do you think that was? I was the most hated one because he couldn't break me. I was considered the unbreakable. Because you continued to resist him and fight back? Yeah. Did this enrage him? I mean, how did he yeah, respond it, when you would say no? He would get very upset. He'll say that I'll take a black, it's like um, a bicycle chain, but it was like a rubber one. And he said, I'll cut you 
from the inside of your uterus to the other side and he'll connect it. And then I wouldn't be able to do anything. And he would hang it right in front of the door where I was sleeping at. And he'll be like, remember that. He would just point at that and say, you want this? Yeah. Now, you said there was a point at which he moved you and Gina in together. Yes. Were you both chained? Chained by our legs. When I first got in there, I was chained by my neck and then he switched it because Gina asked him, she was like, it's not gonna work if we are leg to, you know, my neck to her feet because how she's supposed to move and how am I supposed to get up? So we asked him to put it around my ankle. And he was like, no, because her ankle's too small, she'll get out. So he did it so tight, I couldn't move my leg. And it was hard to, you know, stand or use my leg at all. So I had to use one leg just to get up or down to go to the bathroom. If you made noise, what happened? He would come upstairs and he'll start yelling, hitting me telling me that I'm trying to get him in trouble, and if he gets in trouble, he'll kill me. He started to abuse you in front of Gina. At first he didn't, but then he yeah. did. Did he rape you in front of her? Yes. He beat you and hit you in front of her? Yes. Did he do her the same way? It was more likely not, um, well, I could say pain is pain, but hers were more like just smacks. Mine was more like fist. There was times that he would too hit her and I would stop him and take the hit. How did you do that? I'll jump in front of her. I would start taking the abuse for her. And what made you do that? I know how it feels to be hurt and I didn't want her to go through that. And I would tell him hit me don't hit her, she didn't do nothing to you. I'm the one you hate, hit me. Leave her out of it. Cause he'll use the excuse that we're in the room together and whatever he does to me has to be done to her. And I wouldn't let it happen. That was his logic? Yeah. How did she respond when you would jump in and say hit me instead of her? She would cry and she'll ask me, why did I do that? And I'll be like, cause I care. So you were there for her and her for you. Yes. After the three of you were there and you were in the room with Gina, did you get pregnant again? Coming up. There's a time in the house where I was going to die. Gina picks me up into her arms and tells me to come back. I begged her to let me die, and she wouldn't do it. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. We now return to day two of our exclusive interview with Michelle Knight, Ariel Castro's first victim. 
There was a time that the police came to the door. Someone had called and said they heard banging from inside the house. That was me, because I was trying to get out. And the police came and knocked on the door. So was he there? He was there. But he didn't answer. Mm -mm. So the cops come to the door and knock. Nobody answers. They leave and never come back. Yeah. After the three of you were there and you were in the room with Gina, did you get pregnant again? Yes, I did. I started to throw up and I couldn't keep anything down. I would try to um, save and steal food just to eat, just so I wouldn't hurt. And I think that's what made the baby stay longer. How did you steal food? I would like place it anywhere where he couldn't see it. Just hide it on your body somewhere? Yeah, and I would pray that he would not try to touch me at that time because I didn't want him to know that I took the food. Were you starved to the point that it was becoming painful? It was unbearable. And then I got caught and he started to keep me upstairs to where I couldn't steal food, I couldn't try to eat. And sometimes he'll tell Gina not to feed me and she'll do it anyway because she didn't want me to hurt. He knew you were pregnant the second time? Yeah. Okay. What did he do this time when he found out? He kept on repeatedly punching me in the stomach. Take me through that moment that you lost the baby the second time. I was with Gina, but I didn't let her know that I was miscarrying a baby. Why? Because I didn't want her to hurt. I didn't want her to feel that pain of watching me. I just wanted her to think I was sick. This is now in your third year. How many times did you miscarry while you were in captivity? Five times. And did he brutalize you every time you found out? Did he every time got worse than the other. By the third time that I got pregnant, it was kicking, jumping on my stomach. Like if I was a bed, he would literally have me lay straight and he'll jump right on my stomach with his feet and his heavy body. You said there were times in the night when you would be bleeding and miscarrying that Gina would sit with you? Yes. And take care of you? She'll rub my stomach to ease the pain, even though there's no way to ease the pain. It just kept on coming like a knife. Thousands of them hitting me all over. Did you think you were gonna die? Yeah. There's a time in a house where I was going to die. I'm allergic to mustard and he made me eat two sandwiches with mustard on it. And my throat and my body swelled up. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. There's quite a few times that I passed out during that time. 
the only thing I could think of at that point in time that I was dying and there's nobody to help me. And just at that point of time, I see a light. I'm already almost gone. Gina picks me up into her arms and tells me to come back. Can't go like this. Your son loves you, your son needs you. And she tells me she loves me too. And I try to come back. Did you want to die at that point? Yeah. I begged her to let me die. And she wouldn't do it. What did you say to her? I told her to just turn around and let me die. That I couldn't do it anymore. Sounds like you and Gina kept each other alive. Yes. Protected each other. Yeah. And you were able to tell her some things she needed to know to survive. Yeah. I told her that everything that happened to me is going to happen to you, regardless if you like it or not. And I tried to help her along. And I would hold her hand so she could squeeze when she was in pain to let her know that I was there for her. So you were able to reach out and hold her hand? Yeah. It sounds like whatever rage, anger, bitterness, hatred, he tend to focus that more on you than anyone else. Yes. Did the other girls know it? Gina did. Amanda learned that later on. She was like one of those girls that really didn't get it. She would see it, but she wouldn't believe it. She wanted to think that it wasn't happening. That's what type of girl she was in the house. It was like he treated her totally different, so she looked at the situation in a different way. So by the end of the year and a half, the three of you were in there, and you clearly bonded with Gina, and you love her to this day, right? Yes. How do you feel about Amanda? We now return to day two of our exclusive interview with Michelle Knight, Ariel Castro's first victim. How do you feel about Amanda? We're okay. Not best of friends, but okay. You said that you believed he hated you and that that's why you got treated the worst. Yes. How did she feel about you? I have no clue. One of the things that I thought seemed particularly cruel that I heard you talking about is that Castro, that dude as you call him, played mind games with you. Would he try to give you what seemed like an opportunity to escape to see if you would try? Yes. How, how, tell me how that happened. He would like leave me in one room and he'll have the door slightly open. So he would try to see if you were trying to get out. Yeah, or like he'll leave the back door open and he'll leave the other room and I'll be in the kitchen. And he has like a, what they call a disco ball, 
where you can see exactly what's in the other room. It was like a mirror. Yeah. Where he could see in the other room. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he would like have like mirrors all over the place. Like even including outside, he'll have mirrors like hanging on his fence. He made little peepholes in a door where he can see exactly inside the rooms. So he can see directly in your room to see what you're doing. So you, he would watch you when you wouldn't know if he was watching or yes. not. Yes. He might be there, he might not be. Mm-hmm. You did get to go in the backyard a little bit, right? Yes. Did you have to wear a disguise? Yes. So you had to put on a wig and glasses? Yeah. His fear was somebody would recognize you? Yeah. Because I was so close to where I used to live. Okay. So on one hand, he says nobody's looking for you, but on the other hand, he's afraid somebody will recognize you. Yeah. So he put a wig. What kind of wig was it? It was an ugly brown wig that came to here, and then there's another one where it has a braid going like this, and it's like longer and curly. And when you were in the backyard, did he keep you chained up? No. He made sure that he can see me, and he made sure that anytime we were outside, he had his gun right next to him. Uh -huh. He made sure that there was no way possible that we can get away from him. Because mm -hmm. if we were to try, he said we'll, he would shoot us. One article said that someone reported to the police that there were three naked women in the backyard that were on dog leashes or chained up, did that ever happen? That's a false statement. I'm glad to hear that didn't happen. I remember this area very specifically because he had me digging over here in the other yard. He had you digging back here? Yeah. For what? I don't know for sure. So right before the end, he takes you over here and mm -hmm. has you dig a hole with what? Um, a shovel. So how big was the hole? Really big. Was it big enough to be a grave? Yes, for one person. Coming up. Amanda goes into labor. Tell me about that night. I told her, oh, I see the baby's head, and the baby is blue, and we need to get this baby out right now. We now return to day two of our exclusive interview with Michelle Knight, Ariel Castro's first victim. Michelle is about to discuss the night Ariel Castro threatened her life if she did not deliver Amanda Berry's baby alive. Even though details of Amanda's delivery are included in the court records, we will leave it to Miss Berry to discuss the details of her daughter's birth from her perspective should she ever decide to do so. Michelle speaks only of her recollections of their shared experience. Amanda gets pregnant. 2006 is when she had the baby. And it comes time that she goes into labor. Tell me about that night. It was the middle of the night. I was like out of it. He comes in the room and he tells me that she's been in labor all day. And he told me I had to bring a swimming pool upstairs for her to sit in so the floor wouldn't get messed up or the bed from the blood. So you get her in this tub, this baby pool. Yeah. On the bed and what happens? 
Well, she decides to push at the wrong time, which causes the baby to get stuck. So I'm sitting there telling her, you can't push or the baby's gonna get stuck and she won't be able to breathe. And she sits there and says, but I can't help it, I'm pushing now. And I told her, oh, I see the baby's head and the baby is blue and we need to get this baby out right now. So I'm sitting there, I'm grabbing her arms and I'm telling her, when I say one, two, three, I want you to push as hard as possible and grab onto my hands. The baby finally comes out and I tell her, you gotta just pray to God that I can get her to breathe. So I laid the baby flat on her back and lifted her head up and I started doing compressions with two fingers and I started to breathe into her mouth. Five minutes later, she started screaming. You saved the baby's life? Yes. Was he threatening you during this time? What was he saying to you? He told me if the baby didn't come out alive, that he would blame me. And at that moment, when the baby didn't come out breathing, I knew if I didn't get her to breathe, that he would kill me right then and there. This was an amazing night, and you are an amazing woman. And you love that little girl. Yes, I do. You were pregnant five times. Yes. He brutalized you, attacked you, and caused you to miscarry five times. But yet Amanda got pregnant and had the baby. Yes. Why was it okay for her to get pregnant and deliver a baby, but it was not okay for you to get pregnant and deliver a baby? I didn't understand why. I just thought maybe it's because he didn't want a girl like me to have a kid. What was a girl like you in his mind? I was a girl that couldn't be broken, a girl that couldn't be underestimated. When he figured out he couldn't control me very much, he didn't want to give me a kid. So you said at one point, and this was earlier before the, the child was born, you said at one point his family was coming over. Yeah. And they came one day saying that they had heard there were three women in the house. Mm -hmm. They wanted to search. Yeah. Did they think their dad was a pervert or something? Were, were these family members, brothers, kids? Who, who was it that um, came and wanted to look? The daughters and their boyfriends came over with their two little ones. So six people come in the house. Mm -hmm. Two daughters, two boyfriends, and, and two children? And the only reason why I didn't scream out or anything because I didn't want them to get hurt. And where were you when they in came the in the house? And did they look through the house? Yeah, they looked through the house and then one of the younger boys came to the basement door saying, they're down here, they're down here, I hear music. And that's when the dude said, well, the basement is under renovation. We can't go down there right now. Well, if they're searching the house, did they, did he just talked them out of going down there? Mm-hmm. And the three of you were down there? Yeah. Did they come back the next day? Yes, and that's when um, Emily spent the night, and we were moved in the um, van in the garage. Okay. So the three of you are in the van. Were you chained up? Yes. You, you never got out? Mm-mm. 
Did he come get in the van? Yeah. What for? Something disgusting. Now, did he ever pay you for sex? Yes. He'll throw money on the floor. He'll say that I'm paying you for your time being here. He'll make it a job. And whatever he wanted, he got. I want to take a big leap forward. I want to talk about the day you escaped. I want to talk about the day you escaped. This happened at what time of the day? About around evening time. OK. He's gone, right? How long had he been gone from the house? Approximately all day. And nobody was chained up, but everybody was locked in. I thought we were locked in. I didn't know that we wasn't. Did you see him before he left? Just for a brief second, and he said he was going to his mother's house and then going to pick up something for us to eat. Then next thing I know, I hear pounding. So I'm telling Gina, I was like, turn down the radio. Something's going on downstairs. We turn down the radio. We don't hear nothing for like a few seconds. And then we start hearing like rough pounding. I was like, well, something's going on. So we're hiding because we're scared. We're terrified. We didn't know that the cops were down there. We thought somebody was breaking in because it was a bad neighborhood. So we're sitting there hiding behind a dresser. I go to try the door. This is when I figured out the door was unlocked. So I open it and the cops are saying, police, police, anybody up here? And I'm still scared because anybody can say police. And then I seen a badge and then I just ran. I jumped on her and I never let go. And it sounds like you jumped on him like a spider monkey. <laughs> After 11 years, days and nights and freezing and torture and rape, a police officer standing in the hallway. Yeah. And the only thing I can do is just run and never, I never let him go. It, it was kind of hard for them to get me off of her because I wouldn't let go. I was like, don't let me go. We found them. Thank you for Timothy and us here. We got a female trying to breathe and she's got a young child with us. Okay, I'll make it two. We also have a Michelle Knight in the house. I don't know if you want to look that up in the radio uh, the system. 32 years old. Did it hit you what was happening? It was like a roller coaster. A mixed emotions, and I'm like, where oh my was, goodness. Where was Gina? Gina and me were in the same room. We ran out at the same time. And I, the first thing I said after grabbing the lady is, we're going home. That's the only thing I can remember is that we were going home. Did you know at that moment that you were free? Yeah. And you realized this is for real? Yeah. What was the first thing you wanted to do? I wanted to kiss the ground that I was walking on and thank God for letting me get out of that hellhole. And so now they have the two of you. Where's yeah. Amanda? Amanda's already out. How did she get out? Don't know. We now know she gets out and runs across the street. I want to get the real story here. Tell me what you heard that caused you to pay attention to what was going on across the street. They were sitting here on the step when they heard a pounding on the door. 
She could see an arm and somebody waving, yelling, help me, help me, call the police. I'm Amanda Berry. Angelo pulled a rotten piece of plastic on the door and Amanda escaped with the little girl. Okay, so Anna, you brought Amanda across the street here and she used your phone. This is the phone she called from. Have you ever heard the 911 call when she called 911? Yes. Can we listen to it now? Okay. Help me, I'm Amanda Berry. You need police, fire, or ambulance? I need police. Okay, and what's going on there? I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm, I'm here, I'm free now. Okay, I'm away right now. We're going to stop as soon as we get a car open. No, I need them now before he gets back. All right, we're sending them, okay? Okay, I mean, like, who's, right the guy, who's the guy you're, uh, who's the guy who went out? Um, his name is Ariel Castro. What do you think about that? Sad. Sad in what way? Because she didn't mention us. Do you know why she did it that day? Maybe she was angry. What would she have been angry about? Everything, life, things that went on in a house. She just took a different road than everybody else. If he had come home and she was gone and you were there, what would he have done? He would have killed us. He said if anybody ever tried to escape, that he would kill them and the person that helped them. What was your reaction when you found out that Castro was found dead in his cell? Want to know what's coming up on Dr. Phil? Visit our website and subscribe to our email newsletter. You'll get weekly updates, life strategies, and exclusive video that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, on drphil.com, you can see sneak previews of upcoming shows. Log on today. You have problems with your eyes now. Yes. Tell me about that. I can't really see even with glasses. It's very hard to see. What is it you think made your eyes deteriorate so much? The darkness. It was just way too dark. Because you said in the first several weeks, you were in the dark almost completely, right? In the mm -hmm. basement. You have nerve damage in your hand. Yes. Do you have a trimmer? Hold it out for me. Okay. Does it do that all the time? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it's from? Probably from where he slammed me on my head. You found out when Castro was found dead in his cell. Ariel Castro was in his cell alone last night when authorities say he took his own life. The Franklin County coroner rules it a suicide. What was your reaction when you found out that he was gone? He took a coward's way out. So you would have preferred that he be alive to be imprisoned like you were, mm -hmm. rather than to escape in death. But I understand the reason why he did it. He finally figured out the pain that he put us through was a pain that he didn't want to go through. You were stronger than him then. You're stronger than him now. Because you made it, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. 
I started this by thinking that I was sitting down with a brave and courageous young woman. And after spending these few days with you here, I now know that brave and courageous are not big enough words uh, to describe you. It's been my honor and it's been my pleasure to get to meet you and sit here and talk to you. And I'm just really glad I got to know you. Michelle's account of the horrific experiences she shared with the other women are told solely from her point of view. She will leave it to Amanda and Gina to talk about their time in captivity from their perspective if they ever choose to. It has been my honor to meet Michelle Knight and we plan to stay by her side and continue to help her going forward. If you've been touched by her story and want to donate to Michelle Knight, go to drphil.com. The Dr. Phil Foundation is setting up a fund for Michelle and we are starting her off with a substantial donation. Every single penny will go straight to her. I know that you, like me, wish her the best in her life, and we're gonna be keeping you updated on what happens with Michelle Knight. Thanks for being here. So long.